as we do regularly on occasions such as uh, these, as we have now coming into a holiday weekend, um, and for somewhat of a different take on St. Patrick's Day events and traditions, we are joined on the line now by author and historian Joe McGowan of, uh, of Mullochmore. Joe, good morning to you and welcome once again. Thank you very much for asking me, Niall. It's always a pleasure to be on with you. Um, we're always talking about interesting things. Well, this is interesting because you're, you're, you won't be at any parades tomorrow. You'll be heading for Corbeg for good reason. Tell, tell us where Corbeg is and, and what's going on there. I, I, I will indeed. Yeah, it's wonderful to see all the parades and all the different little villages. But um, that would be, uh, relatively speaking, a recent development. But going away back uh, generations, uh, people from North Sligo and the surrounding area would have congregated down at the St. Patrick's Wells. I think Corbeg is the name of the townland. Now, to get to it, if you're coming from um, Sligo, you would cross over the Duff River. And uh, before you come to Tullahannis, on the left-hand side there, uh, the, the old uh, Bondoran Road, I think it is, and if you bear off left there, right after you cross the Duff, the new bridge on the Duff, you'll see a sign for the St. Patrick's Wells. Wells, plural. So there's a couple of wells there. There's two wells there. Uh, there's Tuberforic, uh, uh, August, um, Tubber Navarra. Um, the upper, one of the wells is where St. Patrick is said um, to have prayed. And at the other, he is said to have shaved, uh, Tubber Navarra being the well of the shaven. This has come down to us, as you can imagine, from the 5th century. And um, the tradition is alive and well. Back in the 50s, it was a fantastic place to go when, when none of us had motorcars, it's all bicycles. And people would congregate, young people like myself would meet other young people down there. And those of the oldies who were listening to your programme will know that there was a shop there, Huey McLone's shop. Yeah. And what a, what a wonderful place that was if you had a few pennies, and it would be pennies. It wouldn't be shillings you have in your pocket, but you might be able to get a few pennies to buy a few sweets or something like that. And uh, we, we never forget those days. But it's a fantastic thing to see that people still go there and the numbers are rising rather than fading away. And um, when you think about it, it, it actually goes back to pre-Christian times yeah. because that, to, to the pagans, that was a, a place of reverence and worship as well. And of course, when St. Patrick came along, which he did travel all over Ireland, he Christianized it. And from that time on, it was a place of Christian worship. So it's a place really for if you have religion or no religion, it's still a fantastic place to go yeah. and to commune with the ancestors going back not just decades or centuries, but going back for millennia really. Okay, and it's also apparently a place to go for cures, various cures. It, it, it is, and, and anybody of my vintage listen, um, I'm particularly thinking of Seamus McGowan in Kinloch, if he's listening to the programme, um, he would have told stories about if you had a sick cow, um, um, back in the 50s, uh, there wouldn't be that much money for vets. No money for vets, really, unless it was a dire emergency. Um, but you would get sent down to St. Patrick's Well for a cure for a sick cow. It could be blood murn, um, it, it, it could be elf shot, whatever would be wrong with the cow. You would bring a, a bottle of water home, and uh, it had curative par- properties in that regard. Probably for, for other things as well, like... Um, eye ailments and so on but the, the the waters there were said to be curative Right, okay and uh, th- there's also a tradition or a myth or a legend associated with the, the lack of fish in this particular part of the of yeah, the region that's, that's, that's a great, that's a great I love that story I well, love it's, it's, a great, it's a great a great place for salmon or has been traditionally but tell us about the, the, the scarcity of fish 
Well, look, I'm afraid if you go back a few years, a good few years, um, people didn't behave themselves around there, and that's that, 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 that's what happened. Uh, there was a lack of fish. It's said that St. Patrick came along with his followers, and of course they were fed on the countryside. <clears throat> Uh, the, he depended on the countryside uh, to go into an area and for the people there to support him with food and drink and so on. So he, I'm sure that he um, had advanced notice that the Duff was a good salmon river. So St. Patrick and his people came up to the Duff River and there's, sure enough, there, there were fishermen on there. And we, we, we have to think where the local people were concerned, they had the religion. They, they had Kondu and their own way of worship and for this uh, ragged gentleman far, he was a foreigner really to come around saying that he had a, a, a new religion a true religion the real religion they, they would have taken that with a grain of salt so uh, St. Patrick went up to the lads and, and he, he asked for fish for salmon salmon would have been very plentiful at that time in, in all of the rivers and the reply that has come down to us after all these years is uh, you know they didn't say no as, as Irish people often don't they said well, they're scarce today, and uh, St. Patrick could tell by the body language that he wasn't going to make any progress there. So he was a bit annoyed, and those uh, old saints, they could bless, but they could curse as well. So what he was supposed to have said in reply was, may they always be so. So off he went um, from there. He didn't get any fish, and local people were shaking their heads, I suppose, wondering who this itinerant was, was tra- travelling about from place to place. Um mm. Uh, he then went down uh, to the, the, two, the two wells, which are quite close to the Duff, yeah. and um, he, he uh, prayed at one and shaved at the other. And when he was finished with that, he moved on to the Drowis. We're told that he moved on to the Drowis. And he met the fishermen there, and he hadn't much luck in the last place. Now, luck on his history, we don't know if the people that were fishing on the Drowis heard about the bit of bother up the road and that this fellow was on the way. But they, they treated him very hospitably and um, they gave him whatever fish he wanted. Maybe it was just as well when you think of what happened up at the Duff. But anyway, um, St. Patrick and his followers, of course, they were very pleased that, that they were treated so well. And he said, may the, may the, may the Drowis... Um, always be fished I think it was a Cassidy was the name of the people that were in it at that time yeah. I'm sure there are people out there who will uh, correct me on that if I'm wrong he said may the drawers always be plentiful of fish and always have a Cassidy to fish it and as far as I know I'm not a local but I um, maybe some of your people will call in and tell us the rest of the story I believe that it was a Cassidy that um, had an association with the drawers and the drawers is very very well known yeah, for absolutely. producing the first salmon of the year. Absolutely, has has done for years. Okay, all right, okay. Well, I mean, you, you referred to him earlier, though, uh, earlier um, as, as ragged, and our, our, I suppose, from, from childhood days, we always associate uh, St. Patrick's having a, a thick, bushy beard. So what, was there any shaving going on at <laughs> all at all at the well, then, or not? Oh, no, you're, t- you're trying to trap me now, <laughs> That's a very good question. Um... Well, I suppose he came from Roman Britain. So we may suppose that uh, there was no cameras around at that time or no images taken of Patrick. So we can be very fanciful in the way that we portray him with fine robes and everything. But I'm, I'm certain that he didn't have fine robes. An awful lot was added from the 5th century to the present time 
with grand buildings and um, grand furnishings and grand clothes and all that sort of thing. But we can imagine at that time that it certainly wasn't so. If they were following in the path of Jesus, so Jesus, as far as we know, travelled about a lot on beer, but there was no pretensions about him. And we can presume that St. Patrick, uh, there was no pretensions about him either. But it'd be fair enough to say that he was clean-shaven. And uh, why he's pictured so much with... Maybe maybe he just looks, looks better in a picture and he looks a bit more... Um, well, distinguished with the beard. I don't know, anyway, beards are fashionable now with young people. It's a fashion that comes and goes. But that's a very good point. We do have Tober Navarra there, which is the well of the shaven. So that is proof, if you like, down the centuries that uh, Patrick did shave. So that's a, a, a point in favour of the people who would say that he was clean shaven. It would be very interesting to be it. All right, OK. Oh, well, well, Corbeg uh, tomorrow. So uh, what, what, is there a particular time, Joe, for those who might want to Corbeg, go to Corbeg? Uh, uh, I, I might give a nod in the direction of Patsy McLone. Uh, uh, he, he does fantastic work there and keeping the well. Um, he makes too many improvements on it for my life, and we have debates about it from time to time. I say, look, at the landscape should stay exactly the same as it was when Patrick was here. That's the landscape I want to see. And then Patsy, oh, no, sure, it'd be nice if there was a, a bit of a path made uh, uh, from the upper well to the lower well. I said, what, what do you want a path for? In, fact, in those times, people the people of Wellington's now that they can go through water, no problem at all. But anyway, I, I, don't, I don't want to waffle on. Now, uh, the, I was talking to Patsy this morning, and it's at 12.30. Uh, 12.30. It's at 12.30 every year. And I should also give a nod in the direction of the Cliffney ladies, uh, a, a group of people that come with fiddles and tin whistles and so on. It's a great uh, place to go. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stone clearing there. And in olden times, uh, people, when they were doing the rounds, and you go around three times and say a prayer, you stop at the four points of the compass and you would throw a stone in uh, onto the cairn, which is an evidence when you go, is evidence when you go there. Now, myself and Patsy collaborated uh, back a few years ago, and we said we'd like to restore that tradition of throwing a stone in, because when you think about it, that stone that you pick up, once you pick it up, it becomes personal to you, and yeah. if you like, it bears a psychic imprint, your psychic imprint. And when you throw it on that cairn, you're uh, throwing it, you're communing with the ancestors who also threw a stone in there. Um, a couple of thousand years ago. So I like that uh, connection to pagan Ireland, to Christian Ireland, to the ancestors and so on. So I, I would suggest if you're going to the well tomorrow and you really should go there, it's a fantastic place to go, bring a stone with you, throw it up there and in 100, 200 years from now, your stone is still there. Perhaps your um, descendants will also go to the well and their stone will mingle with your stone and that's the connection between the ages.